Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Kayla Mason. My name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. The Todd Father. And we have a great episode for you today. Today we're talking with Callie Murray. Woohoo! I'm super excited for Callie Murray to, to talk with her. So Callie Murray, um, she talks about how she has her own do-it-yourself MBA. Yep, she she actually started and ran a company called The Big Fake Wedding. And she talked, I know. What? So she talks about her experience running that and then selling it. And, and then th- she went to go work for somebody. Yeah, she went to go work for Plywood People. What and so heck? we talk with her about that whole journey, the experience, the stuff that she's learned, the stuff that she wishes she could do differently as well. This is going to be lit lit. I am, dude, this this was a great, this was a fun episode to record just because it's the perspective of a person who kind of did it in opposite order of what most of the time happens. Like most of the time, you know, you work your way up and then you quit and then you start your own business. She did it the opposite. Um, she started a business, ran it successfully, sold it, and then went to work for another company where she wasn't the owner and the boss anymore. Crazy stuff. Um, loved, loved getting to talk with her about a do-it-yourself MBA. Now, before we get into the episode... Is it time? It is almost time. But before that, we have an announcement. (gasps) This, as some of you know... What's the announcement, Caleb? Last week, we reached episode 100. (gasps) We did? And so, to celebrate... We celebrated last week by giving you four episodes. Listen, y'all, I party all the time. So... And the party's gonna continue. I'm still partying. Because throughout the rest of October, we're gonna be doing two episodes a week we're trying to hit 200 faster so make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes coming up over the next month now y'all this is gonna be fun todd it's time (gasps) it's time this is like christmas he hasn't told me what the resource of the week is yet guys but it's time for the resource of the week what caleb j mason is the resource of the week my resource of the week is a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Dude, you talk about this book all the time. This book is so... Is it top five? See, I thought about that, and my instant thought was yes, and then I thought, I've read so many good books this year, I'm going to have to wait on that. He's going to have to go up onto the but mountain and I pray will, first. I will say this. Um, this book was so good that I finished it in one season. How long did you sit still for? Crazy person. Hey, this book is something he lit. I'm not kidding. He talks about this book a lot. You might want to listen to him on this. Um, Go check out his Instagram. He made a post about it. Just, you're going to want to do that. Um, You can follow him at Caleb J. Mason. Yes, I'll tease it for you a little bit. This is kind of, this is a quote that the book is based around. It's from Marcus Aurelius. And it's the impediment to action advances action what stands in the way becomes a way so if that sounds interesting to you go check it out that was our resource that was our learner's corner approved resource of the week now as we mentioned today we're talking with callie and we don't want to wait any longer so let's do it here is our conversation with callie murray well callie we're so excited to have you on the learner's corner podcast today 
Thanks. Thanks for including me. Yeah, just as we kind of get started, you know, you have a phenomenal story that we're going to dive into, um, but you currently work with uh, Plywood People. And so can you tell us a little bit about Plywood and kind of what you do there? Yes. Plywood People, uh, we do not sell plywood, although our name is otherwise. <laughs> we, I get phone calls or emails uh, at least once a week asking for my best prices. Um, but Plywood People is a nonprofit based out of Atlanta. We lead a community of startups doing good. So these are people that have launched ideas um, that are somehow changing the world, doing good in the world. And it's a pretty even split between nonprofits and for-profits that we get to serve. And we lead them through um, our programming, the plywood process. We've got a bunch of different ways to kind of help them grow in their organization. And then we've got events and kind of community connections. So I get to kind of talk to everybody and help connect them to either the work we're doing or to other people in the community. Now, before you started at Flywood, you actually founded a company called The Big Fake Wedding. Tell us about what you did there. Yeah, so another another organization with a ridiculous name. <laughs> so, um, so The Big Fake Wedding is a bridal show alternative. So it is a marketing event for wedding vendors. Um, in the form of a fake wedding. So wedding vendors like DJs, florists, photographers, they would um, get to show off what they do live and in action at this mock wedding where engaged couples get to come and be wedding guests. And um, so I started this in 2008 and grew it into this whole thing, believe it or not. Um, And... um, so I got to do that for about eight years. And so we would have these fake weddings about 30 times a year all over the country, um, employed nine people full time in fake weddings. So I like to tell people that I promise you anything is possible <laughs> if we can all make a living off fake weddings. Um, but yeah, that, <laughs> that was my um, that was kind of my first decade in the work world and then um, sold the company in 2016 and realized my resume was real weird because it was just, you know, eight years of fake wedding. And um, I've been real involved in plywood people um, as a business owner myself for years. And um, and so I got to connect with them and come on board with them. Please tell me that you have at some point interviewed somewhere and had to explain what a fake wedding is. Oh, you mean like for a job? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I felt like I felt like I spent a decade explaining fake weddings to everybody. And now I'm spending time explaining like, okay, no, I don't sell wood, even though plywood people is our name. (laughs) Okay. So as so as you're starting, you know, the big the big fake wedding company, what what were some of the things that maybe you feel like you underestimated whenever it came to, you know, starting a business? Yeah. So the first event I ever had was not even supposed to be a business. I was doing wedding photography. That was kind of my gig and was trying to figure out how to uh, market myself as a photographer. I realized every time I photographed a wedding, I would book more weddings because I would meet, you know, a DJ or a bridesmaid or I would post pictures on Facebook. And so I just thought, well, I'll just plan a fake wedding. It would be cool, fun. We can make it great. I'll take pictures, invite some people to come. So that first event wasn't supposed to be a business. And, um, by the grace of God, it just worked and was a blast. And then people asked about the next one. Um, so I would say what I underestimated was, um, 
I don't, I like, I never quite took the time to sit down and say, here's what I want from this. Here's how I could see this going. It was just kind of saying yes when opportunities were presented to me and I just kind of went with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know. I think I, I think one of the things I kind of skipped over was taking the time to think about what I wanted from it and what I thought it could be. Um, which seems silly. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people starting businesses probably do take the time to do that. But, but you know, you hear these stories where people say it just kind of happened. And, um, and, and I think in terms of just like the thought process that went into it, that's kind of where I was. So as, this is kind of a different type of question, but like as you're, you're going through that process, was there anything, was there anything that you wish you would have done that you didn't do that would have just made things maybe easier or that just yeah. would have helped? Yeah, great question. Yeah, absolutely. Looking back, I um, I think I, I wish I would have talked to people that had done businesses before and kind of asked them that exact question. You know, what do you wish you would have done? Um, I think I think that founders, when founders start something, they sometimes feel like they're the only person to ever experience these things. It's that I'm the only person to feel like I'm faking it right now, or I'm the only person to experience this working or this failing or whatever. Um, so I wish I would have talked to some other people that were business owners at that very beginning phase. I for sure started talking to other business owners later down the road when things started getting a little more complicated. Um, I, um, I don't know. I mean, everything I did those first couple years was completely trial and error. It was just like sure, realizing sure. I had no idea what I was doing. Wikipedia words that people might've, I might've heard of them say, or, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, I think I could have learned a lot by just sitting down with some people ahead of time and saying, you know, what did you, what was your first year like? What did, what do you wish you would have done differently? I feel like that was like a cop-out answer though. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> to your good. question. That's, no, that's good. I guess like kind of on the flip side of that then, were there any decisions or anything that you did do early that, you know, maybe if someone's like, what advice would you give to me? What would you say? Hey, you got to take this into consideration or that. Yeah, totally. So I remember, I remember at the beginning, I knew I needed to become a corporation, so become official, right? And so I got connected to this lawyer in this fancy buckhead Atlanta high rise, and I went in and just listened to anything he told me. And um, and I remember writing him an email once with a question, and I get a response, and then I get a four hundred dollar bill for that email, and um, and I realized like I. Um, I think I jumped straight to like, okay, I'm going to be a business person. So I'll just use the fancy, like I'll kind of just like use the fancy business people things that I think I'm supposed to do um, rather than maybe asking for referrals or again, talking to other people that have maybe done something. Um, So that was like a lesson in like, like I learned really quickly that lawyers, when you ask them for their time, they will send you a bill for that. Even if, (laughs) um, even if it's just an email response. Right. Um, and so, so I feel like that was a mistake that taught me easily, um, to, to maybe, I don't know, figure out expectations ahead of time. Um, oh, I think I just rabbit trailed big time. What was your question again? Well, no, I don't, I don't know. You weren't rabbit trailing like at all. Yeah. The question <laughs> was what, what were some of maybe the decisions or things that you did that you would do again? Okay. That I would do again. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Um, all right. So here's one. Here's a decision a couple years into running the business. That was a great one. Um, I 
so those first few years, I did everything, right? Like you start a business, you're doing everything yourself. I feel like that's a pretty common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at some point I had a child, so I had a baby. And so all of a sudden my time was, um, <laughs> my, I had restraints on it, right? And so I started looking around at other businesses and realized, hey, at some point you hire people. You don't do everything yourself. And so I, that's when I like really sat down and kind of made a plan, wrote out the things that we were doing in the business, you know, where could I use help and made what was the job description and decided to hire someone, which is a terrifying step for a brand new business person. And, um, and I ended up hiring this girl that was a friend of a friend. Um, it was crazy because she, she interviewed for another job that like had real money to pay her and then ended up taking my job. And I felt like I had this like monopoly money to pay her. Um, and, and she was an incredible fit. And I feel like the business was able to grow because we took that step in hiring her. Um, that, that first employee, she was kind of this catch all of like, she could kind of do a little bit of everything and she was just the encouragement I felt like I needed. So, so that was something where I feel like it was, um, an incredible first move. And I get so exciting excited talking to entrepreneurs when they're ready to make that first hire. So question, because I know that just for podcast stuff and as we've learned things, I have my own method and it's called Google, but <laughs> what, whenever you get into a situation, cause you kind of been talking about this. There's a lot of situations where you just don't know what to do. What's your go-to thing? Please tell me it's Google. <laughs> yeah. I would say Wikipedia. I do a lot of that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's, intuition right like there's just what do you think needs to happen here um and then i i've gotten where now i just talk to people that have done it so i've got a mentor that i've i found a couple years into running the business and so i for sure run stuff by her um i've got kind of an accountability group of um women who are moms who are in the work world so i'll check things by them um i feel like my go-to for sure is like talking to other people that have done it She's better than me. (laughs) Okay. I want to go back to something that you said earlier. You said, you know, talking about specifically, you know, making that first hire, what, what should people think about or what, what maybe you didn't think about that you weren't prepared for that you wish you would have known about that first hire? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So if someone's going to hire the first person, I would recommend writing out a list of everything that you do for your business. So, I mean, this could be things like scheduling stuff. It could be making big decisions, meeting with people, sales, like you can get as granular as you want. And then kind of thinking through what are the things that only you can or should do, Um, which oftentimes as a founder would be like making, you know, big decisions or maybe having those like final sales calls or um, and then think about the things that you just really shouldn't be doing um, or that someone else can easily replicate. So that might be scheduling or something like that it's also worth considering um where your weaknesses are um and trying to hire for that a little bit but i think if you think through all that happens in your organization you're able to pretty easily see um what you need to pull out i have a friend that she's a solo um entrepreneur she does graphic design and she kind of did this and realized pretty quickly that like she should not be doing blog posts or social media or scheduling or even answering some of her emails. And so she hired this kind of executive assistant um, and it allowed her to take a maternity leave and um, 
and to really kind of start scaling your business. So, so I feel like that's like an easy strategic thing that kind of helps you get your head around it. Okay. So another thing, and you you kind of mentioned this earlier is that most of what you've learned has been, you know, self-taught or you've learned through experience. So what, what are some of the things that you've done to maybe maximize um, the learning? Because, because a lot of, you know, from what it sounds like, a lot of your learning has taken place on the job and you're trying to learn things as quickly as possible, I imagine, so that you can, you know, not make as many mistakes and stuff like that. So maybe what are a couple of things that you've done to kind of maximize your learning? Yeah, totally. So part of it is a mind, a mind thing, right? It's a mind shift change. So I, um, at some point in the business, I had a little bit of debt and it was really stressing me out. Some business debt. And my husband was like, Hey Callie, this is a lot cheaper than an MBA would cost. And you are learning, you know, you're learning an MBA's worth of knowledge by doing this business. And, uh, and so that really helped me think about like these things that I was learning about hiring, about, um, payroll, about scaling, about a profit and loss statement, all this kind of stuff. Um, you're right. Like you say, like you learn it in a deeper way when it is your own money, your reputation, your time. Um, when you're looking at these people that, you know, you're paying. Um, and so, so we started calling kind of my experience, my DIY do it yourself MBA. And so that, that little like mind shift, um, really helped me. So, um, Beyond that, I think I think it's worth reflecting, like trying to take time to reflect. Again, this is where I think it's so good to have people you can reflect with. So for me, it's been my husband for sure, um, my mentor and kind of that mentor group. And so when something terrible would happen, you know, we would afterwards kind of dissect it. Or when something great would happen, we would dissect it. So I think just that reflection time is great. I wish I was a better journaler. I would occasionally journal. And every time I did, it was helpful to look back at. I would imagine that would be a good thing to do. <laughs> so m- most of the time just in business and, and I mean, whatever a person is into, it doesn't even have to be in business. Um, things are, things are result based. Um, yeah. But one of the things that you've said is that what you learn. So you talk about this, this do it yourself um, MBA is, is just as valuable. So what I wanted to ask you is um, you, you said that you made the shift. How did you make? How did you make that shift? So you you you've talked about that, but can you talk to us about how you literally did that? Because I think for a lot of folks, they still struggle with the "but we have to make money" thing. Yeah, yeah, good question. So, um, I mean, so so the big cake wedding was a for profit business, so you still have to make money, right? <laughs> right. Uh, like money's not a bad thing. It's kind of necessary even for nonprofits, like mm-hmm. making you think about it differently but like money is a necessary thing so it's not like it's not saying that you don't think about it anymore it's just maybe not putting all of your value in that um and i will say too that with the whole idea of the diy diy mba or the, just the idea of like learning and what you can do with it i think you see the value in it more and more the further you get away from things so mm-hmm. i'll tell you that like those that almost decade in the big fake wedding, I feel like I'm getting more and more value from it now that I am beyond it. Like since I've sold the business um, with reflection or with like seeing trends in like now I work for another organization. And so I'm able to like see a trend between this one and then the big fake wedding. And, um, and so, so I think sometimes that, that shift kind of comes with time. Um, And 
and that brings a different perspective. Does that answer that question? It 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 does uh, for me because what I, I guess what I'm trying to, to to see is is what it is, and so you're saying it, it's just a different type of perspective. So that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I want to I want to drill down on this DIY MBA a little bit. <laughs> so okay. let's let's imagine that you're um, that you're in a classroom. There's someone signed up for an online course or whatever it might be, and um, you're in charge of you know teaching like a few lessons that people need to know about, you know, as it concerns like a DIY MBA, what are some of the lessons that you would make sure that you taught um, like your quote unquote students? Oh, that is so fun. What a good question. Um, Okay. So there's, there's like the nitty gritty stuff, right? Like there's understanding a profit and loss statement. Like you'd be so shocked at how many small business owners I talked to myself included for years that like don't understand the difference in profit and revenue and all that stuff. So that's like a nitty gritty thing. Um, I think there's a lot about hiring and scaling and how do you grow from just like a one man gig um, to a company where it's kind of beyond just you as the person. Um, and then, then there's like the fluffy stuff, right. Of like, um, understanding you as a leader and what is it that you want in the future out of this thing that you're doing and then kind of how you're wired and how that affects your work. Mm -hmm. So like I've gotten really into the Enneagram. Are y'all Enneagram people? Yeah. 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 Um, That has totally changed the way that I see work and just understanding my, you know, what motivates me and the things that I do. And, um, and so I feel like there, like there'd be a fluffy class about that, like understanding, you yourself a little bit more mm-hmm. um and then ooh, what else that's a great question um i would say too i think i would love to talk about transition mm-hmm. and the fact that likely whatever you're doing you won't do forever and we love thinking about starting stuff but when we think about ending quitting leaving changing whatever that word might be pivoting exiting those are the fun words um, I think that that's something that people don't really think about until they're on it. And I would love to speak to people about that um, or have them think about that kind of ahead of time before it's, what does my friend say? Don't quit before you quit. Don't leave before you leave. Thinking about that. Okay. So I have a couple of follow-ups that I want to ask you about. First one, what number are you on the Enneagram? Do you have a guess? No, that's terrible. I'm a three. I, I'm dang a three. it! Yes. I knew that was what it three, was going to be. Threes unite. I'm a three, too. Oh, so <laughs> I read this blog article yesterday about threes, and I was like, it makes me so sad. It's, like, so true, and it mm-hmm. like almost makes me sad. But Three should feel guilty about their life. Okay. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Don't listen to him, Callie. He's just jealous because he's a two. Uh, a two? Yeah. I, okay. I think I'm a two main. So the next thing that I want to ask I'm just a nice person. The, <laughs> the next the next thing I want to ask you about is I've heard you mention it a bunch is just the importance of figuring out what you want. And so can you kind of talk with us about for for yourself and how you went about kind of discovering what you want? Like did you sit down and just like just literally just ask yourself what you want or what did that look like? Yeah, so <laughs> I I cannot imagine, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just can't imagine someone at 18 going into college or at 22 going into the real world, someone being able to sit there and to know truly what it is that 
they want fully from life, right? Like, I think there's some vague, like, you know, I want to, um, I want to live a good life, make an impact, that kind of stuff. But, um, but again, I think it takes experience and getting in there and like rubbing up against those hard points where you say, okay, this is wrong. I don't want this. Or saying like, oh, this is where I feel like I'm most effective and, um, and really fit in best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, um, that chunk of time, the big, big wedding chunk of time, I learned that like, I love building stuff. Like I, I just love, um, taking new ground, making things happen, building something. Um, and that's, I think what was so fun about kind of pioneering this fake wedding thing was there was a lot to build there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it got confirmed now that I'm working with plywood people and realizing that when I get to build something new at plywood and take new ground, that's where I'm, I feel like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm really bad at managing things or incremental growth, maintaining, mm-hmm. um, refinement. Um, I, like that's where I start to feel kind of like claustrophobic and a failure. And, um, and again, like I can, I can see that in plywood when that kind of happens. And, um, and so I think, um, I think when you experience it, you're able to say like, Oh, this is what I want from life. Right. Like I want more of this, less of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that autonomy is a big deal for me. So kind of that freedom to, um, to build or to do. And so I was nervous when I left owning my own thing to go work for someone else, but he's been great about giving me that autonomy. And I feel like I know what I need to do to kind of maintain that and earn it. Um, I'd also say that stage of life changes that. Like when I started the big fake wedding, I had no children. Now I have three. So that's, that's like a drastically different stage of life. That's going to change what I want from my schedule and all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at, as we mentioned earlier, you're no longer at, you know, big fake wedding. Can you kind of, and you know, as, as we were um, just kind of doing the pre-phone call for this, you told me the story of how you left. Um, how you left the company and writing like kind of your resignation letter. Can you, t- can you tell that story? Yes. Okay. Um, this is something that I could talk about for hours, so I'll try and make it short. <laughs> but um, so basically big, big wedding first couple of years, like thrilling, it's that building, growing, all of this. Um, I also have a bunch of kids in that time frame. My husband's in the military. We move all around. So at some point, I think maybe six years into it, I, um, I start reaching that point where I think like, I don't know that I want to do this forever. Like, I don't, I don't feel as good in my job as I feel like, like, I feel like someone else could come in and do a better job. Um, and if it was a normal job, I think I would have said like, I think I'm ready for something new. Business is ready for something new. Here's my two weeks. But when you own a company, it's complicated, right? Like it's, it's not quite so easy. So I sat with my mentor one day and said, Shannon, I don't think I'm going to do this forever. And she kind of laughed and was like, well, you do fake weddings. Like, you're not going to do it forever. This is not a legacy business you give to your children. Like, you're going to sell this thing. And so she started um, kind of getting my mind around selling the business. She bought me a book called Built to Sell, which was a really fun, interesting read. Um, and we kind of started getting my numbers, the business, to where it was um, sellable, meaning that someone else could buy it and it could live on without me. Um, and so in that process, I can't remember how much I told you on the phone, but like I got to go pitch to this 
crazy big wedding company and their big New York high rise about them buying the company. And, um, I don't know. It was like a really fun, crazy experience. But then also personally, I've got three little babies. My military husband gets sent to 10 months of training in another state. Um, I've got these employees wanting to know what's next. And like, personally, I just wasn't handling it well. Like I was, it was beyond, I felt like what my capacity was. And, um, we ended up moving to Florida with my husband. That was a good decision. (laughs) And I, um, one day in Florida, I wrote a resignation letter, um, why I needed to resign my job at the big, big wedding. And I emailed it to myself because I was my boss. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I sent it to my mentor, my husband, a couple friends. Um, and it was such a good exercise. And just me saying like, okay, I recognize, and I'm saying out loud now that like my time here is done. And it was in kind of doing that exercise that um, I felt like I fully released my role in the business, if that makes sense. Like I made that mental transition to like, okay, I think I can move on without this and it can move on without me. And I think it was maybe a day or two later, I had a conversation with a couple that are the couple that ended up buying the business. And I would have had no idea that they wanted it, were capable of it, all of that. Um, and it ended up being the most just like God ordained, amazing thing. Um, and I've actually, I've read that letter a handful of times. I've sent it to a handful of people that are in similar kind of decision states. Um, and I don't know, there was just something kind of, I don't know, therapeutic about doing that. So, so anyway, so sold the business a couple months after that. And, um, and I, I don't know, it's been a year and a half since, which is crazy. What have you, during that time, what did you learn about yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goodness, so much. And again, I feel like I learn it more and more now that I have time to reflect back on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I don't like when I'm not performing well. That's a three thing, right? Like, <laughs> I want to always be winning and achieving. And I think it was really hard. Um, I felt like a failure. So my friends and family struggle when I say that a lot, They'll say, you know, but I, like, I just feel like I failed the company, myself, that job, my family. Um, I felt like I quit and my friends and family will say, no, you didn't. You saw it through. You got this great couple to buy it. But like, I wrote a resignation letter, right? That's quitting or resigning. Um, but I, I'll say that kind of naming that and saying like, this is where I fell short has allowed me to accept grace beyond that it's allowed me to I think as a three Enneagram three like I think it's good to kind of feel like you fail at something or to let yourself get there and to realize that it's all okay and I'm still a valuable contributing member of society um and so I think that's been the biggest thing was that like like it's okay if if I don't perfectly perform on absolutely everything always so you, you obviously went through a huge transition. Did, what did you learn about transitions and transitioning well? Yeah, totally. Um, so I would say it is huge to, um, my boss actually uses this phrase, shock your system. So um, like there needs to be some abrupt way to give yourself that transition time. So for me, when I sold the business, we were living in Florida with this whole military training. And so I was away from normal life and, and that was really helpful for me. 
um, because I got to kind of create like a new way of life, a new schedule, all of that. Um, much like a breakup, I guess I like unfollowed the big fake wedding on social media just because my brain for years was trained to think in timelines related to the business. So it's like eight weeks out from an event where are we at with ticket sales? Where are we at with vendor sales? Um, and, and so if I would see on social media that the Dallas event was coming up, like my mind was just going through those same pathways. So I needed to train my brain to think a little differently. Um, I've got my coworker right now is about to graduate with her master's degree. And she's kind of terrified about what does she do afterwards? Cause she's so used to waking up at 5am and writing papers. And, and so I was telling her in this transition period, like you need to shock your system. You need to take a couple days off. You need to go away. You need to make sure that you do not wake up at 5am for a little bit of time. Um, yeah. So I think that's what I would say is just like, how do you create space for that transition to happen? What are you learning right now, now that you're, you've been into this new job at Plywood for what, about 18 months? Um, mm-hmm. What are you learning now that you hadn't been, that you hadn't been able to learn before as, as an employer that now as an employee, you're, you're able to really process and see maybe the other side of things? Yeah, totally. So with Big Big Wedding, I was a founder. Uh, now I work for a founder. So Jeff, my boss, is um, the guy that started Plywood. And then I also talk to founders on a, I mean, a daily basis. I talk to a handful a day. And so a founder is someone that kind of you know, dreams something into existence. They make it happen. And I think what I'm seeing that I've, I felt in myself with Big Fake Wedding, but now I get to confirm over and over, is that there are these experiences that a founder has that are um, not unique to them. I kind of mentioned this earlier. So I think every founder feels like they're faking it at some point. Every founder feels like, um, like I think everyone founder has this like these high experience and they have these low experiences, but sometimes they don't think about the fact that I think they see other people and think everyone has all highs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they see everybody uh, else's highlight reel. Yes, exactly. Um, so I think I'm learning a ton about founders and I think some, a lot about the insecurities that founders experience with their idea. Um, it's been really interesting to see. I feel like I'm still in the middle of learning it. Like I, I feel like I want to like put together a summary of it at some point, but I'm still kind of making observations. <laughs> talk, um, talk about, you know, just cause I can imagine with founders, you've even talked about it a little bit, you know, the idea of faking it. Um, talk about like the importance of just community. Like even, even for you, whenever you like had like big fake wedding, and how, the impact that it played on, on your life. Oh, totally. So those first few years um, with Big Pick Wedding, I didn't know many other business owners. And especially when I had my first daughter, I would drop her off at this Mother's Day Out program. And none of the other moms knew that I worked or that I had a business. And uh, I just felt incredibly isolated. And I actually went to Plywood Presents, which is a conference that Plywood People pr- puts on. Um, and that was when I first really met a couple other business owners, and in particular, women and mother business owners. And um, gosh, I felt like that gave me like so much community support. Um, and I just didn't feel so crazy, <laughs> I guess. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that it's very common for um, entrepreneurs, for founders to uh, be isolated. But when you have that community, not only do you have kind of that like 
empathy piece where you realize you're not the only one experiencing something. But then I feel like you just get more stuff done. Like it's you're tapping into others' networks. And um, gosh, I feel like you get so much more stuff done. Um, so again, that's where you get like the fluffy and the nitty gritty yeah. all in one. Uh, it's, it's what I love about plywood people is that we are, I feel like, just this great community of people who can, um, like, everyone has something to get and everyone has something to give. And I love um, getting to watch some of those connections happen. Yeah. Just as we're getting ready to wrap up, we always have a few questions that we always love to ask each guest. But is there anything else or any other advice or anything that you want to say about, you know, starting a business or your own business or anything like that? Oh, man. Um I mean, I think I, I think I keep alluding to this, but I would just say as a business owner, um, find a tribe of people. So I, I prayed for a mentor for a couple of years and I had her pictured in my head, that she was going to be a, a mom and she was going to have more employees than me. And, um, we were going to share the same faith and all this stuff. And, um, and then I think just through the act of praying for that and talking to people about it like I found her <laughs> and and so she and I have met for years she has been so incredible um and and so I would say like even if it feels far away like try and find your people okay so we always we have a couple questions that we want to um just ask you as we wrap up and the first one is what's one thing that is helping you either personally or professionally right now Mm-hmm. Um, time blocking. Do you guys know about time blocking? Yeah. 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 So this is like, that's a nitty gritty thing, but um, so scheduling blocks of time in my calendar where I say, you know, these are the days or the times that I do proactive emails or that I have these type of meetings or um, I've got a couple different projects I'm working on, and so I'll say I'll like literally time block, schedule a block of time in my calendar in two weeks, and I'll say I'm going to work on this project then. And it just frees me up mentally, and um, oh, I love it. That's helped me a ton. Do you schedule time to think? <laughs> I, so I've started Uh-oh. doing this. I just I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to yeah. know if I'm weird. <laughs> no, I haven't thought about that, but I will say I'm commuting to work three days a week right now, and and I love that time. So I do feel like that's kind of my scheduled time to think, but I haven't actually thought of it. Like I haven't like. Put it in my calendar. No, yet, I'm you know? like weird. I, no, I seriously, it's so funny. My boss thinks I'm weird because I, so it's like a, everybody can kind of see your calendar thing and she yeah. will look at my calendar and she'll see you have an hour this afternoon and it says just white space. And I literally yeah. sit at my desk with a journal open and I just, I'm just thinking. And like, she'll like, great. and like, she's, she's like looking at me. She's like, you're thinking right now, aren't you? <laughs> you just sit at your desk and think? I just sit there. Yep. That's right. I, or I'll go into, or I've been going into like the, the uh, conference room on the whiteboard and I'll just like, and I'll think on the whiteboard and people just are walking by like, what the heck are you doing? But I, it's, it's really, it's been helpful. That's so like great. you can think through any, any like problem that you've been working on, maybe at work or whatever. Like you can just think through that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's we schedule, my husband and I do white space, like where we'll schedule and we call it white space, but it's basically just a night where we have nothing scheduled. Um, so no like community event, family dinner or whatever. Um, and that's been helpful. Oh, and on that note, this is dorky, but it's changed a lot. Um, we've been doing these, we call them executive family meetings kind of sarcastically, but every Sunday we sit down together and we go through budget and our calendar and 
it has like changed our flow completely. Yeah. Talk about that. How has it, how has it changed things? Yeah. Okay. So even things like, um, and again, having like little kids has made this necessary, but like, when are we going to work out? Um, like what do we have coming up this week that's different? So thinking through, um, babysitters or are you coming home late from work a certain day? Um, I don't know. We just are on the same page a little bit more. Things aren't as much of a surprise. We've been able to kind of schedule in this white space. So we haven't been as busy. Um, I honestly feel like we like, we fight less. Sometimes the Sunday meetings will fight because (laughs) we're talking through stuff, but I don't know. It's just helped with expectations. My brother and sister-in-law do it. My in-laws do it. Sunday family executive meeting. I recommend it. That's awesome. Um, how do you learn best? I think experience. That's probably obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing myself in and doing it. That's awesome. Okay. So another question is, if you could have everyone learn one thing, what would it be? I mean, right now I'm into this whole Enneagram thing. I think understanding yourself a little bit, Mm -hmm. your motivations. Yeah. And then what, what what are you learning right now? Um, you can't you want, say Enneagram. Okay, the first thing that comes to mind is a little fluffy. Um, I'm learning about grace. I think, I think I'm such a oldest child performer achiever that um, I don't know. Grace is a harder thing for me, and so I think I'm learning learning more and more about that. I totally resonate because I I'm the I'm I'm a three. I'm the achiever and. I am an oldest child. <laughs> so, yep. And so I, I identify with that tension just a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, Callie, it's been great having you on the podcast today. If people want to continue to learn from you, where's the best place they can do that? I would say plywoodpeople.com. Um, that's where you can get connected to plywood and the work we do there. And, and then, I mean, I have an Instagram at Callie Murray, but it's mostly just my kids doing stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a mom. I am. <laughs> How about that? Oh. Well, Callie, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for what you do. Okay, Todd. Do you feel like you have your own MBA now? No, I don't because she's way cooler than me. Um, mine's simple and short. Thing that I'm kind of wrestling with with this episode. The thing I'm thrashing through. It's pretty simple. Um, never stopping growing and learning. Um, you know, every time, whenever she's telling the story of kind of how she got things together, uh, you know, she's talking about how she's just on Google. She's Googling things, and she's just, you know, as problems come up, you know, what did we do with payroll? What do we do with this? How do I handle this? What do I do? She's Googling stuff and figuring things out. And I think that it's important for us to um, not just think that we all we need to do is just go run to a universe a university and simply just go and study and learn and learn learn hey we have google we have all sorts of tools and things at our fingertips to be able to learn and by the way we also have mentors and people hopefully that we can surround ourselves with podcasts and books and and all these corner recommended resources of the week to be able to supplement and to be able to learn and to be able to grow and to be able ultimately to um put together these these do-it-yourself degrees and and i just think that it's 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 a phenomenal reminder that we live 
in an amazing time when we can do those things, when we have the ability to do that. I think for me, one of the things that really um, stood out was whenever she was talking about leaving um, the big fake wedding mm. and just giving giving yourself permission mm-hmm. to do that, and that it's okay it's okay to leave. It's not necessarily yeah. disloyal to leave because, as she mentioned, it had it was it was good it was a good company, but it just become something different than what you wanted. She just had to decide that it was it was okay and that it's okay to leave. Now, on our next episode, which is actually going to drop this week, we're going to be talking about what we learned from the Together Conference from a couple of weeks ago. So good. Guys, that's a conference that we have enjoyed. We enjoyed it last year. We enjoyed it again this year. Um, Love going to that. Um, That's going to be a fun episode. Can't wait for y'all to hear that. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss this episode or any of the other episodes extra episodes that we're releasing this month is by subscribing to this podcast and whatever podcast player you use. Don't forget to leave us a rating and write a review of the podcast as well. Let us know what you're learning, what you would like us to talk about and what other topics you would like to learn about as well. Thank you so much for listening to the learner's corner today. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Ixenball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces y'all.